So this is our, uh, our yearly yarn on relationships. Uh, I, I sometimes get in trouble um, in you these do. moments, uh, so I intend, I intend to do that again today. Um, <laughs> we, if you're new here at Elam, we have the saying, we love to keep it real, sometimes a little too real. <laughs> I mean, you, know, you put two individuals in a room together, in a relationship together, from different upbringings, different values, different love languages, there is no way that you'll find agreement in everything. The reality is there's going to be conflict. I mean, there's not a single person on this planet that I can find total agreement with. I can't find it with Amy. I can't find it with anyone. In fact, I could even look in the mirror and not find agreement with the person looking back at me. Come on, can I get an amen for that one? That's, isn't that the reality? So how do we navigate the challenges of relationships to find the gold that is in each other while wading through or digging through the tons of dirt to get there? All right, I got a lot of dirt, all right? But there's gold in there as well. How do we get to that place? How do we fight fear so we both win? Now, over 2020, we have seen more relationships under strain than ever before. I was talking with a friend who's a lawyer in the, in the church here. And he was, I, I, said, I said, what's it been like in the cases that you faced this year? He said, an overwhelming number, uh, an increase of relationships, um, separations and, and divorce and breakdowns in relationships. And, you know, 2020 has thrown an unusual amount of pressure on us as human beings. You know, we, we weren't expecting this. This is what we haven't gone through this before. Um, the, the global shutdown has, has affected us all in our, in our mind, our mindset, our headspace. So many challenges on, on, on business and, and jobs, not to mention the relationships. I mean, you try spending 13 weeks locked down in a house with somebody. You know, that was, that was tough enough as it was, wasn't it? I mean, and, and yet she made it through. She did all right. But, you know, there's, a, there's a, a stirring and urgency in Amy and I that Jesus is coming back. He is coming back, and he's coming back for a bride. That's what he says. This is the language he used. He's coming back for a bride that's going to be without spot and blemish. And you know what? As the bride, as the bride of Christ, the church... We do have some work to do. You know, by submitting and surrendering our lives to God, I believe that God wants to do a work of holiness in each of our lives. And it's not us trying to just be better people, okay? But it's surrendering ourselves to God. And in our surrender to Him, we then also surrender to others. We, 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 we think on, on, on a different, uh, different plane. So 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 to 7, this is kind of how we're framing the message today. It says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It, it does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Would you pray as we open this uh, message together? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the, the source of love and that, Lord, relationships can and will succeed when love is at the heart of everything we do. God, we're selfish at times. We, we get things wrong. We make mistakes. But, God, I pray you'd show us. You'd give us these tips, these tools to, to be able to fight fear in our relationships, that we would be able to honor one another that you would get the glory in our relationships. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. So Mike and I have been married for 21 years now. Uh, and I know that there are lots of couples here way in excess of us with so much wisdom to share. But you know what? In this day and age, I don't think 20 years is too bad. Pretty good. Good job, babe. <laughs> Even if we do look like we were 12 when we got married. <laughs> so how have we stayed married? Uh, great six, I reckon. And there you go. <laughs> yes, great sex is important. I was going to say, by God's grace. <laughs> By God's grace, truly, we, we hear, aren't we? By God's grace, where would we be without his grace? But I do think that we have been intentional in our marriage. Um, we like to say that every day we've just kept saying yes. Yes on the great, awesome days, and yes on the difficult and dark days, which we all face. Um, you know, we've kept saying yes, and instead of letting those difficulties, um, which can very easily pull people apart, we have chosen to let them draw us closer together. You know, I really believe that a strong and healthy marriage doesn't happen by chance. I believe it happens by choice. You know, to love is a choice we must make every single day. I once heard one of my favorite um, preachers say, we have to choose to let our love override our like. So do I like everything that Mike does? No, I don't. I don't like it when he leaves his dirty socks around, uh, when the clothes are unfolded, or there's his work things all through the lounge. But on those occasions, and on those days, I choose to let my love for him override my like. Okay, not always, but I am a work in progress, and I know that he does the same for me. You know, 20 years on, um, I, I, I feel like God is, is, and we're still learning, we're still learning, we have so much to learn, but one of the things that we're doing in um, my small group at the moment is challenging one another to learn some scripture by memory, and I thought, oh yeah, this will be great, but it seemed a lot easier to do when you're a young child. Like, if you tried to learn a verse in the Bible, I'm just like, I must be getting old. Um, three children. <laughs> three children. Um, but I'm learning 1 Corinthians 13 because when you commit something to memory, um, you know what? You, you, you can live a life that honors God and also keeps you very accountable. Um, you know, some relationships do require heavy maintenance. A marriage is one of those. Um, there's that deep trust and that commitment that we make to each other. And so there's a lot at stake. There's a lot of input um, that is is necessary, say more than other friendships. Um, Mike and I, I was laughing actually at our kids one time, you know, we do make it a priority to go away together without the children. Like, and, you know, mum and dad, why are you going away? Um, because we'd like to stay married. We love you, but we'd like to stay married. Um, and, you know, then you have your relationships through work and things, you know, that people, you, your colleagues that you do spend a large amount of time with, maybe um, those in your small group, you know, just different personalities, your neighbours and such. Um, you know, everything in life is about people and it's about relationships. And we wanna make sure our relationships are winning as often as possible. So today we've got three rules for engagement from God's word, and we really pray that they are a help to you as they are to us. And we're not just talking you know, marriage or romantic relationships here. We're talking about every relationship with fathers and sons and with business colleagues and friends on the sports field. We're talking about these principles apply to every relationship we have with another human being. So. His three rules for engagement. The first thought this morning is that we need to think we instead of me. We need, we need to think we instead of me. You know, Philippians chapter 2, Paul is talking about the attitude and the, the way that 
Jesus lived his life, and he said, this is how you should also live. And he said, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. Now, at the core of our sinful nature is the selfish desire for things to work out the way I want them to work out. I, I hate to say it, but I'm, I'm always looking at a situation, and in the natural, I'm thinking, how can I best benefit from that? Now, that's the, the sinful, selfish part of our nature. Now, love would say the opposite, would think, can I prefer somebody else rather than myself? Um, I've shared this before, and I, I think it's appropriate to share it again, and I'll continue to share this because I believe it's helpful for us whenever we find ourselves in a position of conflict, um, a preference that we can't agree on, or even a principle. You know, when, we, when we're struggling to make this relationship work, if I go in there trying to win the fight, I might win the fight but lose the relationship. So my attitude when I'm in that conversation or heading into that conversation really does matter because the words that come out of my mouth, they might say something, but the tone in which it's delivered, how it's come out of my heart, that can have a huge impact on the outcome. So I, these three thoughts I filter through my brain as I'm processing these conversations with people. The first thought is, do I genuinely love this person? It's a big question to ask. Do I genuinely love this person? Do I want the best for them? Or am I trying to destroy them? Or somewhere in between. If I genuinely love them, then I'm going to that conversation believing that they will win as well as me. Second question. That's an interesting one. Could I be wrong? Because surely not. Because you know, I'm right. Don't, don't we go into relationships and conversations going, I am looking forward to proving myself right and you wrong. But what if I go into the conversation saying, well, what if I could be wrong? Am I prepared to humble myself to be taught something? Could this person bring a correction? Could this person bring a, a change? Could, could, could they teach me something? Could they give me a perspective that I don't have? So my question is, could this person actually add value to me? And then the third question I ask is, what's the best kingdom outcome? Not even what's the best for, for me or for them, but for, for us as the body. You know, who, who wins here? We win. It's not, it's not I, I've got to get a win out of this one. What's the best outcome? What would God want as the best outcome here? It might be that we both lay down our, our thing for the sake of even someone else or another situation. Now, I'm not saying that diffuses every conversation, but I'll tell you what, in the last three years, I haven't had many conversations that haven't gone well when I've processed that way. And I've found myself to be wrong on numerous occasions. And for the, for the sake of the relationship, it's gone really, really well. See, in marriage, God's intention is that two would become one. It's not two individuals anymore, but two joined together under God's blessing with a heart to be united in spirit as one. In our working relationships, we need to decide in our hearts that the goal is not for us to be, for me to be right, but for us to be right. How will the team win? How will the business succeed? How will the business uh, move forward and do well if we make the right decision together? So today we've got some questions we would like you to ask, and you can take these away. Uh, you can uh, get the details on the app uh, if you haven't already downloaded that. But these are some questions that 
on reflection, if we're really honest with ourselves, uh, I think there's a bit of heart and soul searching for us to do. Here's the first question. Where in my relationships am I thinking me when I should be thinking we? Could be in your business, could be in your relationship with your spouse, your partner. What are you thinking? Very good. Our second rule for engagement this morning, so number two, is give rather than get. Give instead of get. You know, healthy relationships are actually about what we can give, uh, not just what we can get. But, you know, it's so easy, isn't it, like Mike said, to become, well, what can I get out of this? You know, um, what's in it for me? And I love that Jesus in Luke 6.38 says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and pouring into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount that you get back. And although Jesus was talking about money in this passage uh, and in this instance, but I think the principle is the same. You know, you receive, we receive with the measure that we give. If you give love, you will be more likely to receive love. If you live stingy, uh, you can't expect anyone else to bless you. If you give criticism, you are more likely to be criticized. Honest moment. Um, when we were first married, I was very critical of Mike. And there was, um, a, there is, I should say, a perfectionist part of my personality. It's got some wonderful strengths, but also some weaknesses. And one being that I can be, at times, very ungracious to the people closest to, to me. And uh, 10 years into our marriage, I read a book that if you have spoken to me about marriage or relationships, I would 100% recommend this book. And it's by an author called Stormy O'Martin, and it's titled The Power of a Praying Wife. Uh, I was so excited to read this book because I was like, yay, God, you're finally going to fix Mike. I mean, really, he was such a mess. That's true. <laughs> and, you know, have you ever thought, you know, if they change, then I'll be happy? And I've discovered actually that that's not true. And I went on a journey of praying for Mike. And I discovered that the person that needed to change was me. And actually, as I began to pray for Mike, Lord, change me. As I began to cover areas, very specific areas of his life, um, to God, declaring his word and promises over his life, um, God did an amazing thing. And he is so faithful because he changed us both. And just last month, I was perfect. Um, Thank, you. Thank you. And you know I'm lying. Know yeah. um, you know, Stormy has a great quote, and she said, prayer is the ultimate love language. It communicates in ways that we can't. So good. You know, the message translation of Luke 6 says, give your life, give away your life, sorry, and you'll find life given back, but not merely given back, given back with bonus and blessing. You see, giving, not getting, is the way. Yeah. Generosity begets Generosity. I love that because that's, there's that thought that generosity actually reproduces itself. You know, if you think in your work, if you simply just do what is necessary, you might succeed, but you actually don't get the blessing of helping others succeed. When you give over and above, um, when you go the extra mile, maybe you stay 20 minutes later to help a work colleague and to help someone else on the job, do you know actually who wins? We do. We win. And as we read 1 Corinthians 13, you know, love is not self-seeking. Um, giving, not getting, is the way. So I want to encourage you to start sowing uh, what you want to reap in your relationships and never underestimate the power of prayer to change you. 
So the question I have um, for this point is, where in my relationships do I need to give more than I am trying to get? Good questions, huh? Nice challenge. The third thought, and um, if the team can come as we wrap this one up, the third thought is we need to forgive rather than hold offense. We need to forgive rather than hold offense. You know, Jesus makes a pretty clear statement in Luke chapter 17. He says it's impossible to go through life without being offended. There's going to be offense. It's going to come at you. You're going to be given an opportunity to take hold of that offense or let it go. And offense is easy to catch, am I right? It's easy to be offended. I mean, for example, I mean, I, sometimes I do leave my jacket lying around and he does. she might take offense by that. My smelly socks, fresh Gee, from thanks. my feet. <laughs> They're clean. Sometimes I do leave my work bag lying around the house. Here we go. And Amy can take this and hold on to these offenses. But you know what? Sometimes I get a little bit offended too. I know it's hard to believe, but she wasn't wearing the skirt on Thursday. Um, and at that price, I'd say it's probably a bargain, but. It was. I'm just helping the economy, I am shopping local. You don't get to hold that bag. I'm Why offended not? at you. Oh. So I'm going to hold on to this for a little while. I haven't let go of this one okay, yet. Okay, sorry about that. And then can I talk about probably a really, really important topic in, in marriage. All right, there are two people in this world. There are those that squeeze from the middle of the tube and those that squeeze, pushing it from the bottom up. Middle squeezes. Can I get a show of hands, please? Boo. Boo, I see that hand right at the back. Yes, yes. But you know what? People can change. Now, now, obviously, we've got two different people in this relationship, one squeezing from the middle. But I shared my frustration, my concern about our toothpaste, and miracles do happen. Because cause this was actually the shape that I picked up the toothpaste today after Amy brushed her teeth this morning. No, you're very proud of me. Look at that, eh? <laughs> you know what? I'll just hold on to this offense for just a moment if that's all right. No, I'm just kidding. You can. What are you going to choose to do? You're going to hold on to those offenses or let them go? Let them go. <laughs> you know, at the heart of it, offense is the root of unforgiveness. If offense, if we don't deal with it, if we don't let it go, it will imprison us. It'll be a major stumbling block in every relationship that we have. It is only as we forgive that we can truly be set free. And Jesus tells the, the story of the unforgiving servant or the unmerciful servant, where he ends up putting the person who owed him something into prison. The master then saw his lack of grace and mercy and ended up throwing him into that same prison. Both of them were imprisoned because one would not let go or set free the other person. I want to quickly point out what forgiveness is not because it's important to know this and to understand this. Forgiveness is not pretending that nothing happened. Forgiveness is not pretending the pain that you experienced isn't real. 
It's not saying that what someone has done to us was right. It's not forgetting what they've done. Wisdom would say we, we must learn so that we don't get hurt again. And forgiveness is also not the same thing as reconciliation. Though the goal would be reconciliation, that's not always possible. But forgiveness always is. We forgive because Jesus forgave us first. I, I can forgive only because Jesus forgave me. And when I'm struggling to forgive someone, I have to come back and say, Jesus, you forgave me. And because you did, so can I. Forgiveness, true forgiveness can only be found through a relationship with God. Only the forgiveness that we've received from Jesus can we then extend to others and release them, set them free. The most powerful gift we could give someone where offense has taken place is to release them, judge them no longer, set them free, and watch what God will do in your life as you find freedom yourself. How do we forgive rather than holding an offense? Because this is the hardest thing. This is it. This is what we come across time and time again. This is what we battle with day in, day out. The forgiving of one another. Colossians 3 verse 13. It says, be even-tempered. <laughs> That's a challenge, isn't it? Content with second place. I like winning. But actually in my relationship, second place is a really good place because it means I'm putting Amy first. Quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. None, none of this, I forgive you, but I forgive you fully. And regardless of what else you put on, we're love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. In other words, if you only wear one thing through summer and winter, put love on. And I love the fact that we read that love covers a multitude of sins, faults, failures. Love says, you know what? I'm going to let that stuff go for the sake of our relationship. So the question for us, where in my relationship do I need to release an offense and forgive someone? This might be something you need to go and have communion with God. Maybe go home and talk about it. Maybe with, with, with an accountability partner, a friend. So I'm struggling to forgive this person. Would you pray with me as I release them, forgive them? You know, maybe you're stuck in your relationship. Maybe you're stuck in a difficult work relationship. Things aren't going like you'd, you'd hope they would. Maybe you're, you're living together outside of God's uh, blessing, which is marriage. God created marriage. His intention was that he would honor that covenant of marriage. Uh, we had the privilege of uh, taking a wedding on Friday of a couple that had been living together, had, had, had kids together, had grown up together. And God had just been doing this incredible work in their life. And they, and they felt that they wanted to get married. And we, we walked them towards that. It was the most beautiful, powerful, special day just to see them take that step towards. And it's not the only wedding that we've taken this year and will take of couples that are just saying, we want God's best and His blessing on our relationship. You know, maybe we're stuck in our marriage. Maybe things aren't going, and we're just hitting that same stuff time and time again. Well, you've heard us say it before, and we'll say it again. Maybe you need a new marriage. And I'm not talking about with a different person. I'm talking a new marriage with the same 
person, but we might need to give somebody a fresh start. We might need to forgive them, release them, and give them a fresh start if it's possible. Forgiveness and releasing offense is a huge part of starting afresh. Don't be afraid or too proud to ask for help. Reach out to your small group. Reach out to, to, to pastors and leaders and ask the question, hey, I'm not doing so well, can you help me? You know, 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. So good. You know, one of the things I'm most thankful to God for um, is salvation, that He forgives my sins. You know, I am so aware, and I've known and I've walked with God for, you know, for many years since I was a young girl, but I'm so aware every day that I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus. One of my favorite scriptures is in Lamentations, which says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies are new uh, every morning. And I'm, I'm so grateful that I can have a fresh start. Tomorrow is fresh with no mistakes in it. Um, I'm so grateful to God. You know, it's sin that makes a mess of our relationships. I think we're all aware of it, but sin makes a mess of our relationship with God who created us. Um, there's there's a, a, a massive divide and, and, and a massive gap because sin is in the way. You know, the Bible says that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's perfect standard and the punishment for that sin is death and separation from God. Um, but I'm so thankful that Jesus was God's rescue plan. I'm so thankful for the good news, which is that Jesus came and he gave his life for me and for you on a cross. He died so that um, our, the punishment of he would take upon himself and so that we could be forgiven and made right with God. You know, he didn't just stay dead. He rose from the grave three days later to give us a new life and eternal life. Uh, you know, the Bible says that nothing can separate us from God's love. Right. No mistakes, no pain, no shame. God loves us, and His desire is that we would be in a relationship with, with Him. But the choice is up to each one of us. You know, and I just want to pray with people as we do at the close of every message, with people who want to get their lives right with God. And maybe you've never done that. Maybe you find yourself here and you're like, I don't even know why I'm here. But you know what? God know, God knew and He knows why you're here because He loves you and He wants a relationship with you. Maybe you've once known God, but you've walked away. I want to let you know. I want to let you know something that you're never more than just one prayer away from getting your life right with God. And you know, three things will happen when you surrender your life to Jesus. Your past is forgiven. Your sin is forgiven. You receive a new life in Christ today and an eternal hope and purpose for your future. And uh, we're going to pray together as a church family because that's what we love to do. And we're going to pray a prayer out loud and you can join in with us or pray this prayer in your heart. And uh, if this is the prayer of your heart, God will hear you. He will hear you because God said it is by grace that we're saved through faith in Jesus. And he will save you from your sins. So come on, church. We're going to pray this prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the Savior of this world. And today I make you Jesus, the Lord of my life. I believe you died for me to forgive my sin. And I believe you, you rose again to give me life. I receive this new life. Please forgive me. Be my Lord and Savior. 
Holy Spirit, come and fill me. Holy Spirit, come and fill me. In Jesus' name. And with every head bowed and eye still closed, I would just like to ask you to do one brave thing for me this morning. I'm going to count to three in just a moment. And if you prayed that prayer for the first time, uh, or coming back to God, would you lift your hand on the count of three? Because I really believe that that taking a step of faith is important. Would you lift your hand if you said yes to Jesus, that you are ready to surrender your life to Him? Uh, Because He has a life full of hope and purpose and a future for you. So I'm going to count to three. Number one, God loves you. Number two, He has a great plan for your life. And number three, all over this place, you can lift your hand if you said yes to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, thank you down the back there. That's awesome. And here in the middle, that's wonderful. Thank you, Lord. Yes, down here. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you, Lord. Anyone else here this morning? Thank you. We're so proud of you, church. We're so proud of you. Come on. Let's give these guys a hand. The best decision you will ever make. God loves you. 